The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medianomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We have the Queen of Peace coming to the world every day. She being the Queen of Peace, what does that mean? She's just coming to bring peace, something on a flowery carpet that we're all going to enjoy and everything's going to be okay. We have to go see what Jesus said about peace. To really understand what peace he brings. In Matthew 10, 34, it starts off not peace, but a sword. And Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foe will be those of his own household. He who loves the father or the mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who loves the son or the daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those are incredible words. And Jesus didn't want somebody to misunderstand. So he didn't stop with the first example, set a man against his father. He goes on, a daughter against mother-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and says the man's fault will be in his own family. It's the first place. It's an incredible thing because our concepts and our ideas of peace is not what Jesus is. That's what he said. Do not think I've come to bring peace on earth. We've mistaken things. We don't understand what our lives come for. There's a great separation taking place. And within that separation, the side you separate on this walk with Christ, that's where you'll find your peace. We have many things happening in the world today. Ferguson, Missouri, they're waiting for it to just explode. The whole FBI nationwide has been alerted to be wherever things may happen that something tied to Ferguson may explode in the streets across the whole United States. Why is that? Because they have protesters in Ferguson being trained right now by people who come from the outside, outsiders. And they all got the whole thing about peace. We're going to be a militant, nonviolent protest because we're attacking an evil system. You got a guy who's a cop killer who Obama sent three White House officials to the funeral. It's proven. It's going to be proven to be so. So what's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. So the peace, these militant protesters saying, we lock arms together, and they've been trained to sit down so it'd be hard to move from the police, to be nonviolent. All the right words, seemingly, but they know what this ends up. It always ends up in violence. The people who are training know exactly what they're doing. They're revolutionaries. And all across Ferguson and other places are training these people. Supposedly under the banner of peace. Because when they lock arms, they're just supposed to say, abiding in deep love. Just repeat, abiding in deep love. That's love. I tell you, if Jesus says he didn't come for peace on earth, this is not love, what they're doing. They're defending a murderer. Not the policeman, but he who calls himself to be murdered. And that's all going to come out. It's clear. The evidence is there. But I'm not bringing that up to the issue. I'm bringing it up to show what we think is peace is not. What we think is love is not. And Jesus says, I come to turn those against those in their own household. Will be their foe. Christine Work has gone through that experience. She just showed up at the National Cathedral in Washington, a Christian church. It's where presidents are buried through. The bodies are laid to rest there. It's a symbol of, this is a Christian nation. It's our national cathedral. It's not of a denomination. It's known for all Christians. Many things have happened there. And they had this giant triumph of the Muslims going to do their prayer service there. And prayed toward Mecca. They lay the carpets out. It's packed with people. The Episcopal woman says 
that she's so happy for this day. Christine Rick heard about it. She decided she was going to drive from Tennessee to there. And her family is her foe. She didn't believe in abominable marriages. And that issue became so fractured in her family that her family divorced her, her husband did, and her kids disown her because they're for abominable marriages and she's not. She's out on her own. She's out of her house. We can take some lessons from her of what Jesus says, not peace but a sword, and what she did when she decided she's going to drive to Washington and try to get in. And I won't go into the details. Look it up and read it. But miraculously, she gets in. She passes security. She hides out. One of the reporters sitting on the scene end up take up with her in the bathroom where she's hiding out and say, oh, follow me. I'll take you to the front. She gets center stage, perfect place to do it what she rehearsed. That she was going to stand up for Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. She was going to take up her cross and follow him. Jesus says, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. She found it and she was scared to death what she was going to do. The Muslims on the carpet, they're all praying. They turn their back toward the cross up on the, on the altar. The crucified Christ, the crucifix. She asked God to show her the time to say up and what she was going to say. She stands up. She was afraid she was going to embarrass herself. She says, I didn't have the strength to do it. But she proclaimed in a clear voice that was recorded by the media. Real strong. She didn't stutter. And she didn't say what she rehearsed to say. Why? Because the scripture says, don't rehearse what you're going to say. Don't plan what you're going to say. I'll put on your tongue what you're to say. And she professed it in a different way. What she planned and rehearsed all the way to Washington, driving in a car, changed to these words. She said loudly and clearly in front of this group that's filled in a Christian church instead of the mosque where they're free to do so. But that doesn't take over and dominate the plans that are going to be going and where we're headed, what we're seeing across the world. So we're just giving up our ground. Not Christian Rick. She says and proclaims, Jesus Christ died on that cross. Referring to the cross that the back's been turned on by those praying in the Christian church, the National Cathedral. Jesus Christ died on that cross. He is the reason we are to worship only him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We have built, allowed you your mosque in this country. Why don't you worship in your mosque and leave our churches alone? We are a country founded on Christian principles. She was, of course, Security was called. They escorted her out. Pastor Foreman came to the next. She walked free. She thought she was going to be arrested. But she didn't come to live her own peace. She came to be a follower of Christ, and she found it. Meanwhile, we got all this in Ferguson. They're going to find their peace being agitators. They're training these people to be confrontational over somebody who caused himself to be murdered. 
And we got this woman standing up alone, no support, divorced from her husband standing on these issues. Because we could add to the scriptures, I'll turn wife against husband, husband against wife. And so we have these things happening across the land. And Christine says, we are a country founded on Christian principles. You know what the principal in Maryland just said? That we're not a Christian nation. Where did she get this? Well, actually, it was a woman who supported something that happened there. What happened there was a public school in Maryland recently removed all Christian holidays from the school calendar. The school will still be closed for Christmas, vacation, and Easter, but not knowing the reasons for the day off. We cannot, in a public school now, according to this principal, who decided we will not acknowledge what the day's about, we'll just take off. Because this is in response to Muslim students who attend the school requesting their Muslim holidays be noted also on the school calendar. Rather than saying no, the administrator did an all-or-nothing approach and opted to remove all religious holidays, including Christmas ones. A woman on the radio reported on this story, said she felt it, this is wrong, even though we're not a Christian nation. You see what we're mimicking and what we're parroting? Obama said we're not alone or a Christian nation, and we got Christians saying this is wrong for this to happen, but we're not a Christian nation. You don't know your history. We are a Christian nation. Stand up like Christian and say we are a Christian nation wherever you have to, in the public square, in the schools, whatever. We don't have to apologize for that. It's historical. It's there. It's our roots, and we still are. You haven't learned the verbiage of the devil and how he uses grammar and words to change things. Him saying, through Obama, I'm talking about the devil, Obama through the devil saying, we're not a Christian nation, was to plant that seed in that thought because we have fallen as Christians. We haven't lived what we're supposed to, but all Christians fall. Does that mean not Christian anymore? When they're in sin? No, we got to revive by repentance. We are a Christian nation. 80% of the people still profess that they're Christians. And then we're a Christian nation. We may not be living it. But God's got a way to wake us up by putting us in the foxholes of Normandy to make us believe, get on our knees, and repent. The Arabian nations are not a Christian nation. Europe is a Christian nation. Are they living it? No. And they're giving up their Christianity to be taken over. Are we going to do the same thing by putting in our mentality? We're not a Christian nation. Don't let nobody ever tell you that. We are a Christian nation. We got to revive through the Christianity and its principles of what we did, just like Christine just did this past week on Friday, November 14th, 2014. A brave, heroic stand. She claims she's no big deal. But would you have done that? Would you stand up and say something like that? We want all our people at Caritas to do that. We do that. My wife just told me of an encounter she had two weeks ago. She stood right up in the middle of everything in the store, and I won't go into the details. But she confronted something. So the whole management, the store, everything, embarrassed everybody in the store. Rightly so, she did the right thing. Abomination is going everywhere, and we're just going to accept it. 
put that in employees in that store and think you can lolly die around? You better stand up. You better follow the witness of Christian and the early Christians because you'll be carried to the cemetery later after they drag your body out of the Coliseums, whatever that might mean for this time and day. So what is the Muslim agenda? Who's behind that National Cathedral doing this? It's possibly so they can begin taking their Muslim holidays and begin to further change the culture of this nation through the schools. Just making a request doesn't mean we have to honor it. No, we're a Christian nation. You can come here. You can be a Muslim. You can do whatever you want to do. But we're not going to change our holidays no more than Saudi Arabia changes theirs for us. We don't have to apologize for that. In fact, we have more to stand on than other faiths do, non-Christian faiths, because Christ is Lord. Christ is the Savior. Christ is King, second to none, with no other gods before him. But we've grown weak, we've grown mushy, and we're beginning to believe the verbiage that we're no longer a Christian nation, a lie from the devil. Jesus turned this stone to bread. Jesus knew that stone was stone and not to be turned to bread. We know we're a Christian nation. It's not to be turned to an unchristian nation. Don't believe the lies of the devil, even when it comes from the president. You say, how can I say something so bold or say something about the president? He's, he's for abominable marriages. Look at everything he's for, health care, making you pay for abortion. You think he's inspired? He needs praying for, yes. He needs conversion, yes. But he's of a mentality that's going to be very difficult for that to happen. He professes repeatedly he's anti-Christian. Until we understand these things and we know our enemy, we don't know how to deal with them. You can't negotiate with people like that. You have to witness your faith. We don't go around burning moss down. We're not going to sit there and say, you can't do this, you can't do that. But we have something higher. We have the scriptures. We have Christ who is. So what does this calculate out to? It calculates out to economic problems, marriage problems, all kind of difficulties that plague us, the Ferguson, Missouri thing, when, when something is clearly wrong, the opposite side is made right, and the one's made right, made wrong. And all this affects us, and that's what we have metagenomics for, is to show you everything is related to our sins. And economics is one of the first things that goes away. And we're in sin. Debt is sin. We're not supposed to be in debt. We've got to realize that we're in our financial situations, we're in our moral situations, we're losing our rights to the Constitution because of our sins. And the banking system is just one of the great ones that's there. You got GDP, that's the gross domestic product. To make that real simple for you, what that means is it's the total value of all goods in the United States of America. All services produced by all individuals. Can you imagine taxi cab drivers to people in San Diego working in landscaping, to people down in Florida building high rises? Everything, mining, everything, oil, petroleum, everything you think of being a maid, everything produced, every labor, every services, all goods produced. 
and you added the total worth of all that, that's our gross domestic product. That's how much money we pull in. Can you imagine the, 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 the monumental amount that is just from one year? We're still the strongest economy in the world. I think somebody says China's getting ready to pass us if they haven't already. But if you take that from all individuals and all businesses across the United States and you add that up and you put it in one single year, that's called the gross domestic product. That's an important lesson to understand debt. Because what they do with debt is they take one percentage point and match that up to one year. So they calculate how a GDP, gross domestic product, to one percentage point of one year to pay back our debt. So in other words, one year or one percentage point of GDP would take all the services, all the goods, all the individuals, all businesses to pay back one year just our debt. That's, of course, if the debt's frozen and it doesn't increase. You've seen the thing in New York, if you've been up there, where the debt is increasing and it's moving so fast you can't even read the numbers just on interest rate. So it's not frozen. It's not stopped. But if you could stop it, you would do it. Do you know right now what percentage points of our GDP we have? 103 years. If we froze debt immediately and we paid back our debt, it would take the volume of money going through this whole system from the lowest wage owner to, to just labor in your garden, everything we're producing to, to the mega money being made, all there, everything. It would take 103 years to pay it back. Why is this such a sin? Our forefathers saw this such. And I can tell you right now, we are not going to pay back 103 years through G GDP. In other words, you're going to go for the next 103 years, if you live to be 103 years old, if you're born right now, you're going to be making all this money and not pay on anything else, just pay debt? It's impossible. The numbers crunch won't work. We're doomed. Economically, we're doomed, and everything with it will fall. Why is debt bad? It's bad because we're stealing from those yet to be born. And this relates to everything we hear about the National Cathedral, not being a Christian nation, Ferguson, and everything else you want to bring up on these topics. This comes from a new book out with the co-author of George Barna and David Barton. It's called Restoring America to the Strength of Its Roots, U-Turn. On a more practical level, Debt reduces freedom by limiting the number of options for what individuals or nations can do with their income. That is, the greater the debt, the less freedom those in debt have with how they use their own resources. Others, specifically their creditors, will determine how their resources will be used. This is why the Bible declares in Proverbs 22.7, that the borrower is servant to the lender. For this reason, God commanded his nation Israel to avoid debt, explaining that if Israel was the lender, 
then she ruled the others. But if she was the borrower, then others ruled her. Our founding fathers understood this. As Thomas Jefferson explained, quote, to preserve there the people's independence, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. We must make our election or choice between economy and liberty or profusion and servitude, unquote. Notice the sequences. Frugality produces liberty, but spending produces slavery. So to enjoy liberty, practice frugality. And if you don't mind being in bondage and under oppression, then spend away. So strongly did the founders oppose debt that Jefferson declared, quote, I place economy or frugality among the first and most important of Republican virtues and public debt as the greatest of the dangers to be feared, unquote. Alexander Hamilton, the nation's first secretary of the treasury, likewise explained, quote, nothing can more interest the national prosperity than extinguishing the present debt and to avoid as much as possible the incurring of any new debt, unquote. President George Washington agreed, saying, the progressive accumulation of debt ultimately endangers all governments. Debt destroys freedom and prosperity and produces taxation, servitude, and oppression. Servitude is what Americans are unwisely choosing today, and not for themselves only, but also for their children. A child born in 2014 owes the government $39,500 as his part of the federal debt. But by 2032, when that child is 18, his proportion will be $90,000. And by 2038, when the child becomes 24, he will owe $142,000. This is immoral. In no other arena of life do we allow this practice. I cannot obligate someone else to pay my mortgage or my car loan or my personal debt, but we regularly do this to future generations and we do it without their consent. The founding fathers viewed this practice as reprehensible, which is why Thomas Jefferson declared, quote, no generation can contract debts greater than may be paid during the course of its existence. Neither the representatives of a nation nor the whole nation itself assembled can validly engage debts beyond what they may pay in their own time. That is to say, within 34 years of the date of the engagement, succeeding generations are not responsible for the proceeding. He therefore concluded, the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity under the same of funding is but swindling futurity on a large scale, unquote. George Washington agreed, sternly warning that we were to work at avoiding occasions of expense, avoiding likewise the accumulation of debt, not ungenerously throwing upon posterity the burden which we ourselves ought to bear. But right now we are doing just the opposite. And because of our foolish self-indulgence today, our posterity for decades to come will pay a price they will be unable to bear. 
We lose liberty. We lose freedom. We lose marriage. We lose our safety. We lose all our rights. We finally lose Christianity, dwarfing things in our life that we borrow for. It's greed, it's gluttony. It leads to a materialism, pleasures, etc., and on and on. That would be our God, and then another people whose principles are stronger than ours will rule over us. And we're there. Our Lady told us, March 25th, 1996, choose life, not death of the soul, little children. Preceding that, which is what Christian Wright did, preceding that, she says, in this time when due to the spirit of consumerism, one forgets what it means to love and to cherish true values. Do not let Satan attract you through material things. But little children, decide for God who is freedom and love. So we wonder why we're losing our freedom. We wonder why we are and what we are and why we're headed to where we have. And we have other people taking over us, taking over us with their principles that are so strong that we'll change our whole Christian calendar, become apostates simply by a quest that they make. They didn't go to court. Rather than stand up, no, our God is Christ. Our Christmas, we will not vacate and we will not sit there and extend something to you that is not part of our nation's history. This is a Christian nation. You can believe however you want to believe. We won't recognize and put on our Christian calendar these dates. Political correctness is from the devil. And while we will comply with it and do it and bend down to it, the other side won't. And so these inroads, because of our weakness, we're thinking we're just being ecumenical. That's not ecumenical. That's betraying the Christ and turning against him. Frank? Yeah, and this is the, the spirit of the world that wants to falsely indoctrinate and that's most terrified of Christianity, which... Again, in Sunday's reading, says that we're to be in the light. And Our Lady is pulling us back to an authentic Christianity so that we can be in the light and understand where we are in these times and where we are in a debt-based system that is slavery. And I found the readings this Sunday fascinating because they're about preparedness. They're about God's will. They're about blessed is he who fears God. and about the timing of the coming of Christ, the second coming. And we're in, in the light. When you were asked, I know years ago, is Our Lady coming to prepare us for the coming of Christ? No question. There's no question that's why she's coming. And when they asked you, do you know when? So there's no question. I don't know when. <laughs> but and we don't know when, but, but this is the times that we're living in. And so Jesus tells this parable in the, in the gospel about what it'll be like when he comes again, he's saying the same story that he told in another time when they thought he was coming to establish his kingdom now. And he says, no, first I must leave and go be king. He says there was a nobleman that was going off to be king, speaking of himself, who gave 10 manas to 10 of his servants. And uh, we'll put it in terms of ounces so that the listeners can understand the story. Maybe a manas is about six ounces. 
maybe he gave 60 ounces to 10 people. Seven were contemptuous. They were put to death. Um, two were faithful. One made it 100%. Another made 50%. One made 10 mana. One made five mana. And then one buried his. And he wasn't put to death, showing that, you know, he was lazy and went to where there was gnashing of teeth, but the fear of the Lord was enough for him to be saved. In the other story, he uses a different, in the story of the gospel on Sunday, he says that there were three servants. He said, when the Son of Man comes, it'll be like, it'll be like a man, not a nobleman going off to be king. It'll be like a man who gave away eight talents, five to one servant, two to another servant, one to another servant. This is a talent's about 600 ounces now. And how does a man, when the Son of Man comes, his audience had to be thinking, speaking to his disciples now, how does a man come up with eight talents of silver? The, certainly a nobleman going off to be king could have, you know, these few hundred ounces he's talking about. The, the, the one in the first story buried his in a napkin. The one who was lazy in this second story and not doing God's will buried his in the ground. A much larger form of silver. So we who are being brought into the light can see this is a this is a story for our time. We have silver now below the cost of mining. This is very simple. When Our Lady's calling us to to pray to the saints and to count on you know uh, their intercessory prayers for these times, what would the saints tell us to do with the miraculous metal Medjugorje silver round, or what would they tell us to do with our debt paper? Those that lived through the depression, who who lived through the other fiat currencies, the Confederate dollar or the, the greenback or other times of, you know, fiat money or debt-based systems. It's very clear we're to exit the system. And particularly now when we have a, a CEO, Keith Newmeyer was interviewed by Daniel Visions, who we of course met in California. He was on your radio show a few years ago. And uh, Daniel Visions interviewed Keith Newmeyer, and he says, I'm holding back a million ounces of production this month. And he's encouraging other CEOs to do what OPEC does and get together and hold back silver. Silver, the market is, the physical market is dependent on. We have a 1.1 billion demand for silver a year. These miners are providing about 800 million ounces. And he's saying it's so clear that the price is being manipulated and all prices are being manipulated. How long can this go on when you have you know, a CEO saying, this isn't the real price of silver. This was at $17. This is below the cost of mining. So we're on borrowed time as far as the world waking up to the light. And that's why there's such, the spirit of the world has such an aggressive agenda to fill the, the, the youth's mind with um, garbage. We're not, a, that we're not a Christian nation that, you know, take away our Christian holidays take away their light so that um, we can have them in darkness and in slavery. Let me clarify that, too, how that works is because with the oil is supply and demand. Right now the demand is is decreased compared to supply because we have plenty of supply. We don't have a supply of silver except by uh, a falsehood, which is selling silver to people who don't hold it physically, but they hold pieces of paper which cannot be backed up by real silver. It doesn't exist. The oil does exist. It's there. They turn the faucets up or the 
pipelines up, then the price goes down because we get a surplus. And that's through fracking. We've got a surplus of oil right now, and it's increasing, and that's why our prices are going down. The silver is not down because and below mining costs simply because uh, we have oversupply of it. We are way, way beyond reality of of the supply compared to hundreds and hundreds of millions of ounces traded every day that do not exist. And why is that reason? I told Frank oh, probably two years ago, I said, it's, it's, it's a matter of national security because nobody understood it. But if you know your enemy, you know what they're doing. And Frank was here, and you remember, Frank, I explained to you about the Red Rogue, about the disinformation they put out, which was about a submarine that was going to launch a, a nuclear weapon toward Hawaii. And the whole thing was a forest, as far as what the KGB did to make it look like it was going to be China. So they're making it look like that there's a supply that's there. It's not. It's not there. And so if you reason these things out, you realize there's an untruth here. The silver, and I'm glad to hear this CEO doing this because this is going to, this can, the other CEOs can force this issue out. And I'm certain I told you because uh, this story, because the United States government worked with a bigger oil tycoon to build a ship to put up the submarine that was actually sunk when it tried to launch this nuclear thing, a story I won't go into. But the thing they put up this charade to this oil tycoon to discover to mislead everybody because it was a national security issue. This silver, if everybody discovers silver, it's, the economy would fall because people would trade their dollars, which are worthless, for silver. So they had to come up with some kind of rogue. And so they're allowing illegal activity every day, the Justice Department all the way to the government. They're allowing this to happen because a lot of people are saying two or three years ago, why is this happening? If you know your enemy, you know that they're doing this because if we... When we put out ain't going to happen, nobody wanted silver. We were responsible for 2% of the world's sales of, of coinage, and especially metals. 2%. We're nothing. We're a podunk place here at Caritas, but it shook the whole silver market up. And people who were in the financial nobility caught on to it, and you did not hear anybody, anybody at that point before that, saying to go buy silver. We broke that. It happened within six months. This book went up to financial nobility. They started buying. Silver went up to $50 an ounce. This was a national security issue. And so the government now is allowing this falsehood to take place. Uh, it's against the law. And so I wanted to clarify when you're saying that this, it's underselling that, it's because they got to keep it down for the security of the nation. That's a real issue because it would have cost it. And, and God probably wants us, or God's helping us to extend this economic situation. So if they elect, can poise themselves and get a position where they need to be for what's coming. You heard me when I said about the GDP. It is over. It is history. Somehow this is being elongated. It's a grace. We bounce down and everybody gets scared. Then it gets a little bit better and everybody gets more comfortable. It bounces down. It shakes us up. God's allowing bounces to happen right now to make us think those who are in the wisdom and in the light who are walking with God can see this. And so that's the whole purpose of us in, when we designed the miraculous message to go around, that we have Frank Mint. So anyway, Frank, I wanted to clarify that because that's that's an easy point that's lost in this whole situation. Yeah, it's true. And the, but the matter of national security is still out there. Uh, all they can do is prolong it. And so there's no exit from 103% GDP or 103 years to pay, pay back. There's no exit from this. 
and and that number keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, yeah, they can protect it for a while, but it gets people are more and more aware that all markets are being manipulated. It's a fiat money system. And so we're clearly called, and the, the readings just spoke to me, that Jesus is literally pointing to our time. Even the parable of the 11th hour was a, a denarius, a small, you know, a wage for the day, uh, a tenth of an ounce that the 11th hour worker got. These are, these are for our times, and these are to tell us that we are preparing for the Lord to come again, and that we are to be vigilant. I just want to say one thing about Proverbs 31 and the woman of Proverbs 31. These are uh, so many wives have, have called me and they're being persecuted because their husband doesn't, or, you know, or spouses, but mostly it's husbands, doesn't understand that their virtuous wife is worth more than pearls and that they have more, they have talents of silver that none of their ancestors could have had. And I wanted to encourage these women that, you know, are being praised because they fear the Lord in, the, in this reading. They've done the right thing, of course. But these were our reading Sunday. To, as Our Lady said, to be ready, to be prepared. And Jesus is telling us what to do, what clearly the, the saints could say, which, you know, those of us who have been seeing this for years, it's very clear that we've got to get out of this system. We have to get in communities of like-minded people, and we have to prepare for what's coming. And if people would get into the scripture and into Our Lady's messages, they would see clearly the signs of the time. And Frank, we're near the end of our time right now. Do you want to give your contact information for anyone to get in touch with you about exchanging their uh, their livelihood, what they have right now and their paper system into the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje round? Yeah, that's what we're here for. And you can contact us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. I was in a line yesterday, and um, there were two guys in front of me, and one of them was saying something, and then one of them turned around to me about how cold it was, and I said something, and we you slipped in about heating a home, and we talked about real quick about geothermal system. We, of course, we put a geothermal system in our building here at Caritas and still continuing it. It's a pretty big investment. But he asked me how much it cost. I told him how much we liked it and how much it saved us on our energy bill and stuff like that. And so I said, it's real pricey. It costs a pretty good bit to do it. And he said, well, how much? I told him what we're doing at the building. And I said, but you'll never get your money back. And he says, I don't care. He said, when I get on fixed income, I need to be in a position where I don't need a lot of money. I said, you know, very few people think that way. I said, this is how I built my business years ago. It's not about getting your money back out of something. It's about preserving what you have at this moment. You got the moment to do it. Put a geothermal system in. He said, who do I call? I was explaining it to him. And um, the guy wouldn't let me go. He wanted my name and everything. But what was interesting is people, he woke up to the fact that it's not about payback. It's about living cheaper in the future. It's about preserving what you have. The Miraculous Medjugorje Civil Round is about preserving what you have while you can, because if you keep what you have in paper or 401ks, it's going away. Because they're going to demand somewhere along the line that you start whittling away this 103-year debt, which is going to take everything else, because we can't produce it. It's an impossibility. So it's up to you to take this action. But don't think you're going anywhere with all these if you're not willing to do what Christian Rick did and what she did was stand in front of a whole packed crowd in the National Cathedral, security agents all over the place, 
walks in there, she described herself as being invisible, and said, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He is the reason we are to worship only Him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We have built, allowed your mosque in this country. Why don't you worship in your mosque and leave the churches alone? We are a country founded on Christian principles. Amen, Kristen. And may you stand up as she did. Wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.